Good morning, Willow Park Church family. Welcome to Church Online. I'm glad you can join us today. Uh, We're going to have a wonderful message as we continue our Daniel series. We're going to be able to enter into worship, and we're going to have family news, of course. And so we're excited that you can join us and uh, worship with us in your homes. Uh, Before I pass it off to Chris and the band, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can continue to gather. Lord, even though this looks different, Lord, as we sit in our homes and as we uh, worship as families and individuals, but knowing corporately that there's other individuals worshiping in their homes, Lord, it still rises up to you, Lord, and is a beautiful sound. And Lord, we pray, Lord, as we listen to this message on Daniel, and as we are continued challenged to, to be in the world but not of it, Lord, that we would be able to take nuggets from Daniel and apply it to our personal lives. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are alive, you are well, Lord, that we can enter in worshiping, worshiping you in our homes. And so we pray that your presence will be with us and your peace upon us as we enter into Sunday morning. Amen. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God your voice you have led me to the fire the darkest nights you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Yeah. 
Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while in Heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Satan tempts me to despair 
And tells me how the guilt within Upward I look and see him there Who made an end of all my sin Because a sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the just is satisfied To look on him and pardon me To look on him and pardon me Behold him there, the risen Lamb My perfect spotless righteousness The great unchangeable I am The King of glory and of grace One with himself I cannot die My soul is purchased by his blood My life is rich with Christ on high Christ my Savior and my God Christ my Savior
store something new each day and God I want to live each day as its own day because you worry about tomorrow and I thank you for having tomorrow and worrying about it for us you are good we love you pray this in your precious name amen Thank you, worship team. Uh, we're going to continue now worshiping through communion. So I invite you to go grab your bread and your juice. And as you do that, I'm just going to share um, a bit about communion before we partake. Um, this year, obviously, we're entering into New Year. 2021 is upon us. And you know what? When we come to 2021, we're always focusing on new things. We're trying to think, like, what else can I do in my life? What are the resolutions I make? And obviously, we enter into 21 days of prayer. What communion does, it helps us refocus back on the mission of Christ. He came for us to be that sacrifice, to be that in-between for a relationship between us and God. And his mission was to unite us to God. And he came as the ultimate sacrifice for that. And as we take this, as we take of our bread and the body that was broken, and as we drink of our juice, remember his blood poured out for us, it helps us to remember the mission that we are called to do. That we are to be living sacrifices in this world. That we are to go out and be missional that we are to carry out the love of Christ and share it with others 
to bring other pe- others into a relationship with Christ so that they now can have this relationship with God. So communion helps us refocus back on the mission, refocus back on what this life is about, to remember the goodness of God. He's sending his son to be that sacrifice for us, to be that love sacrifice that we desire. And so let's take a moment and think about what being back on mission looks like for us for 2021. I know we're still in this space of pandemic, but that doesn't mean Christ isn't moving and doing something. Father, we partake of your body that was broken for us. For me, for my neighbor, for everyone in this world. Broken so we can have a relationship with you, Jesus, and be connected to God. Let's partake together. Jesus, this is your blood poured out for us. That when God looks down, he sees his son, the blood of his son upon us. As followers of you, Lord, we, we go to others and we share of you so they can accept you and so that they can experience the body and blood of you, Jesus. So we take this in remembrance of you. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son. And Lord, the mission doesn't stop there. It's continuing on. Lord, we are living sacrifices now. We are images of you, Jesus. Lord, we want to remember the mission. We want to remember what you've done for us. We want to remember what we're called to do and carry it out in this world. So as we look at this year, 2021, Let's look at it through the eyes that we're still on mission. And remember, your body broken for us. Amen. Now we're going to go off to Courtney in our family news. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. We now have another option for those of you who would like to attend a drive-in church service every Sunday at Church at 33. Next Sunday, we will have two drive-in services at 10.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. for Pursuit. There is no pre-registration required, but we will be limiting each service to 50 vehicles as per provincial health guidelines. We look forward to seeing you there. Our kids team is hosting a fun family paint night this Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. on Zoom. It's totally free and you can get all the details on our website at willowparkchurch.com paint. Registration is now open for the marriage course, which is a series of seven sessions designed to help couples invest in their relationship and build a strong marriage. The course will start in the last week of January, and there are six days and times to choose from. 
It will be hosted by some of our own pastors and leaders, and each session is like a date night for you and your spouse. If you're interested in learning more, please sign up on our website at willowparkchurch.com marriage. Right now, our church is in the middle of 21 days of prayer. If you haven't already found a way to participate, let me tell you what we have going on. First, you can sign up for our daily prayer devotional emails. Second, you can join us for an online prayer gathering every day at 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday. You can also submit your prayer requests to us on our website so we can pray for you. Learn more about all of these things at willowparkchurch.com 21 days. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Good morning, South. Ministry assistant here, and we're so grateful that you've tuned in to hear the word of God this morning and to pray with us and to worship with us. I love coming into the South and being here because there's so many memories here, and it's, it's just it's a symbol of just our God's faithfulness to us, and that we have a church and we're a family. It's amazing. And so, really quick, I just wanted to read Daniel one eight through to twelve, and actually verse five to start off. So verse 5, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And this is about Daniel. The king assigned Daniel and and the other young men um, that Babylon took. So the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the king or the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you that... Your church, your bride is coming together, focusing on you, focusing on your word. We've just spent time of worship, adoring you, giving you our praise and and expressing our joy, Father. And we just want to focus on you now. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just open our eyes to see your truth and your beauty in your word. And through my dad, when he speaks... And that you'd bless him with your spirit. And that he'd speak truth in love and with grace. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Luke. Good morning, everybody. Great job, Luke. And uh, I'm going to jump into Daniel chapter 1 in a second. Before I do that, um, I just want to just say a big thank you. And we're going to pray for my very good friend, Brad Gay. And uh, he's here just to the right. I've got my face mask poised to do that. While we do that, um, I, I just want to let you know that this morning's message from Daniel, I'm going to be speaking directly to 
teenagers. So if you have teenagers or preteens or young people in your house, if you are parents of that kind of age group, then I encourage you to really listen in. And, and I'm actually going to be speaking. I used to do a lot of speaking to youth. That was kind of my mainstay. I'm going to be imagining I'm speaking to an arena full of young people. And so I want to give you that lens, that filter, because this passage is powerful. But as parents, I'm imagining you kind of at the back of the room listening in. Because there's a challenge in it for us as well as parents. But if you are a young person, uh, if you're a teenager, then this really, that, that was my prayer this week. That I just kept on hearing from the Lord. Imagine you're speaking to a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old. So uh, I just want to let you know that so you can gather them around, and, uh, and that would be wonderful. So I'm going uh, to bring Brad up on stage right now. I'm going to put my face mask on. I'm not sure how that works with sound. Is that okay, Drew? Um, is that working all right with my face mask? Okay, you can hear me breathing. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to take this off, and I'm going to distance. So you come that green line. There you go. <laughs> so you should be able to see Brad. Uh, there we go. And he has his face mask on. So that's, that's wonderful. We're following all the rules. The reason I'm bringing Brad up is because today is the first day of Brad not being an elder in our church. And it's been a nine-year uh, kind of relationship. He'll always be an elder to us at the South. It's kind of that elder emeritus, I guess. Um, he's a very, very close friend of mine. It's just been an honor to serve alongside him, shoulder to shoulder, his heart for the ministry. We were just chatting. He's been a secretary on the elders board. He's been, uh, to some uh, fun to me, acting vice chairman. He's been vice chairman, and he's just finished as chairman of the board. And yesterday was the elders retreat uh, where they blessed Brad and Colleen. Uh, we love you, and we're just so grateful for your ministry and your service and your championing. And uh, we just want to recognize that by, at the very least, as praying for you and your lovely family. I've had the joy of, of baptizing with you all your kids, um, which has been just brilliant. And um, they're just an amazing family. We're so grateful for you. So uh, I'm going to pray for you. So let's pray together. Uh, there's more that I could say, but uh, I don't want him to start tearing up and... Which, uh, <laughs> with his nice face mask on. So uh, let's pray together. Let's pray for Colleen and Brad. And I wish I could hug you. And, you know, it's, uh, we'll save that for when Dr. Henry says that we can. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that we can stand here, even through the medium of technology, and bless uh, one another to pray for Brad and Colleen and and the kids. Lord, we're so grateful for this family, for the service and the ministry uh, that has been given to your church. The love of your church that this man has shown has just been inspiring, and so. Uh, just such an encouragement for me. And Lord, I know that that ministry is not ending. Lord, this is a new chapter, a new, uh, a new way into, into ministry at Willow Park Church. But Lord, I pray that as Brad steps into this new time and as Colleen steps into this new time, that Lord, there would just be a sense of your word and your whisper in their hearts as to what is next. And so Lord, I pray you would fill him. Um, that, Lord, he would sense your presence in a beautiful way, even as I pray right now. Uh, Lord, we ask these things in your name, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you so much. Um, you, you have blessed me in ways that you will never, ever fully understand this side of heaven. But thank you so much. I'm also here. Oh, it's on. on. There you go. Thank you, technical support. <laughs> I'm here to... T- <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Again, you have blessed me in so many ways. You've blessed my family in so many ways. But I'm also here as a member of the South to honor and bless Glenn and Sarah because today marks 10 years of faithful, loyal service to our church. Praise God. In that, you know, just a, a very quick story, I started on the elder board nine years ago, pretty much, and we had just moved to Southeast Kelowna, and... Um, I really, it was bad timing, actually, because I really felt such a pull to the South. We were attending 33 for easily 10 years, and I just, uh, without really knowing you, Glenn, I, I just felt this is where I need to put my roots. This is where me and my house need to come to this house to worship the Lord, to, uh, to, to create community here at the South, in our new neighborhood, and, uh, and with a relatively new pastor uh, <laughs> at that time. And um, it, it has been such a blessing for mm. us. But I, I'm here on behalf of all of you to celebrate and to thank Glenn and Sarah for, for their service. When we can, we will celebrate together. <laughs> we will honor them together. Today... <laughs> It's a very quiet celebration, we'll say. But, uh, but I, too, want to uh, pray a blessing uh, on them. Sarah, can you pop up here? I'm masked. I promise you can stand really close to your husband. Are you masked because of me or because yeah, of Brad? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. So, anyway. Hi, Sarah. Uh, Lord, I am just so grateful for this couple, for the way that you lead them and guide them, for their wisdom, their strength, their resilience as they press into you and as they press into our community as well, as they press into the needs of Willow Park Church, Kelowna, this province, this world, Lord. They are shining lights on a hill, and uh, and we are just so drawn to them and drawn to their message of hope and freedom and love and peace and joy that they bring, that they emanate every single day. I thank you for their children, the way that uh, that they have raised their children to be godly followers of Christ. And, uh, and we celebrate um, their joys as well. I thank you personally that... Um, you know, the Glenn has baptized each of my children. I thank you that he's going to marry my son, as it were. <laughs> uh, that was awkward. Uh, he is going to pastor over the marriage of my son to his fiance Camille. And um, I, I'm just so grateful for the friendship that we have and for the path that we can journey together. I'm so grateful for for Glenn's role in, uh, in uh, administering so proficiently Willow Park Church and guiding us as we, uh, as we grow, as we uh, bring God's kingdom 
to the people of our city. Thank you, God, for Glenn and Sarah, and I pray your blessing on them. I, I pray that uh, whole new opportunities, whole new expressions of, of love and kingdom building will be theirs. I pray for fresh bread and fresh vision for them as they begin yet another uh, step in their journey with us and with you, Lord. I'm so grateful. And so in your holy name, we praise your name and we bless him. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you, babe. Bless you, mate. <laughs> okay. Isn't it technology wonderful? And, you know, it'd be this point that if we had a room full as we normally do. Do you remember those times? Um, that we would have a rousing round of applause and, uh, and probably a little bit of dancing. Yeah, maybe not the dancing. But uh, thank you, Brad. It's, uh, it's a joy. It really, it really is to be able to share the Word of God with you. And as I said, uh, after Luke had read from Daniel chapter 1, as I was researching this and as I was prepping it, I just had such a heart for uh, communicating this message directly to teens. Why am I doing that? Because Daniel was a teenager. And Daniel was, at this particular point, especially in chapter 1, he was a teenager. He was one of four that has kind of been highlighted. And so this message is directly directly to our young people, uh, to teenagers, because this chapter is inspiring towards that. And one of the most exciting things for me, when I look at uh, the Bible and I look through history, is that the way that God chooses, he goes out of his way to choose young people, teenagers especially, to leave incredible impact on their generation and on the world and then on history. You know, just a, a really quick flight through Scripture. You've got Joseph, you've got Gideon, you've got Samuel, you've got Daniel, as we're going to talk about in just a second. You've got David, you've got Ruth, you've got Mary, Jonathan, Josiah. The list goes on and on and on in the way that God seeks out, uses, empowers, and then channels his favor and love and impact through them into their generation and then into to the world. And so I'm not looking at you if you are a younger person listening to this thinking that you are limited by your age. I don't think that way. I don't consider that way because I believe and follow a God that has poured his life out in Jesus on the cross so that you can actually change and be a history maker, that these choices that these young people have made, as you read in through the scriptures, literally change the trajectory of their lives. And so here's what I want us to think about this morning. And as parents, I want us to lean in and think about how it is that we parent in the light and the view of scripture. And we've been talking a lot about culture and how culture has an impact and that we have a choice. We can either withdraw and hide and be afraid of what our culture is saying our post-Christian culture are saying about Jesus and we kind of withdraw and we protect with a big crash helmet hoping that, that we won't get impacted by the culture. Or we can become so part of the culture that it's actually difficult to see the difference between a Christian and everyone else. And so somewhere in the middle, there is a better place. There's a middle ground. In fact, I would say it's a radical ground. It's a place where we can, as the strap line of our, of our uh, sermon series is, we can be in it but not of it. How do we parent young people so that they can be in the world but not of it? And young people, how can you live your life where the choices you make 
knowing that the choices you make today, and I'm not talking about, well, I'm too young or you're too young. You're not too young. Listen to this. The choices you are making is changing the trajectory of your life. The choices you make Today, not figuratively, literally, the choices you make today, maybe in the next half hour, maybe this afternoon, change the trajectory of your life. How can I say that? Because I read through the scriptures, choices that young people make before God, away from God, towards God, that actually change not only trajectory of their lives, but the trajectory of the lives that God has put them into connection with. And so you are hugely important, you are powerful, you are significant, not just because of who you are, but because of the God who believes in you. And so I want to push you or encourage you to think about what kind of life you are living, what kind of choices you are making, and how that changes the trajectory of your life and potentially the trajectory of the lives of the people around you. Because, And I heard a sermon about this a long time ago. I was about 18 or 19, and I can't even remember the name of the guy who gave this sermon. But he, he said this, he says, listen, as young people, you have a choice You have a choice over survival, over success, or significance. Survival, success, or significance. And when you read Daniel, you're going to see a young person who chose significance. He he didn't have a big grand scheme or end goal in mind. He just made simple choices that actually resulted in him being significant for that time. That he wasn't just successful, because you can be successful. You can work hard, you can set goals, you can chase after your dreams, you can do the things that our culture, and there's nothing wrong with them, encourage you to uh, be successful, that's wonderful. But it could stop there. You could be extremely rich and successful in our culture's standards. But God calls you to a higher level. He calls you to a place of significance. And you don't need the finances. You don't need all the things that our culture would say is most important. What you need are simple choices towards following after God. You see, what God did for Daniel, he can do for you. And I was tremendously convicted this week as I'm studying this. And I asked and prayed that God not only would communicate this clearly to our younger people and parents, but to me as well. Because what I'm realizing, how quickly and easy it is to get comfortable, to get absorbed into our culture. Our culture want you to be comfortable. And as a Christian, we're not called to comfort. Parents, we're not called to bring children up in comfort. We are called, this is a battle. We're called to bring children up ready to fight for their God, to fight for what is right, to actually not be assimilated in, but to stand apart and be separate and holy. That as a result of that, as you'll see in Daniel's life, that Daniel experienced incredible favor. Favor with leaders, favor with kings. He had success in education and, and in knowledge and in spiritual gifting. All that came to him, and as a result of that, there was significance in his life. And so, how is that possible? What is the key thing? What is the, if we were to look at Daniel's life and we were to kind of root down to what is the one thing that Daniel seemed to do that we can do today? 
What can we do today that will actually result in significance in you living your life in such a way where the trajectory of your life is towards God and God's plans for you and not just your own plans and the plans put upon you? What is the key element? We can actually find it in one verse. Three words, really. And let me show you them. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel 1.8. But Daniel resolved. But Daniel resolved. Every day when you wake up in the morning, you open your crusty eyes, and you open up, and immediately our culture is educating you towards a certain direction. All you have to do is pick up your phone, switch on the internet, listen to some music, go to school. You just have to, you don't even have to take part. You just go into our world. Our world is educating you towards a certain direction. And so we have to resolve, like Daniel, to live differently. We have to resolve on a day-to-day basis to do things, to think things, to say things, to act in a certain way that will actually result in significance in your life. And not only significance in your life, but in the lives of the people that God has placed you within. Don't sell yourself short. Do not bring your, bring, make God small when you think about you and what you have the ability to do. See, God in you, you have the ability literally to turn the world upside down. Not you, but God in you. And that might seem like a strange thing for me to say, but it's absolutely biblical. You read Acts chapter 17, you're going to see reference there to a small group of people that turn the world upside down. Now, you might be listening to this going, how does that relate to me? You don't understand, Glenn, I'm in grade 9, I'm in grade 10. How am I going to change the world? A few years ago, or a lot of years ago, when I, was, uh, when I was in my 20s and late teens, I spent a lot of my time speaking, especially to youth and young adults. And God gave me wonderful opportunities to travel around Europe and, and speak. And, and, and I, that was my kind of bread and butter. That's what I did all the way up to about 10 years ago, uh, where, where the Lord called us to pastoring this church. Up until that point, my focus was on young people and youth. That was, I love, and I still love, I don't get to do it as much as, as uh, I used to, but I love to communicate the truth and the reality of what God has called you to. That calling that God has placed on your life. But you might look at that and go, okay, you know, I'm just getting through the day-to-day here. I'm just trying to get through this next class. I'm just trying to get through, if you're at university, my degree. I'm not even thinking about being a world changer. It sounds kind of cliche, actually. You know, it's a bit, you know, world changer, really. But that's literally the call of God upon your life. Where does it start? Where does it begin? Well, I, have, uh, I, I mean, I've, not, I've lost contact with him now, but a, a good friend at the time a few years ago told me a story of when he was a youth pastor in Williams Lake. And Williams Lake, as uh, some of you may know, if you visited there, at certain times of the year, it gets really, really rough. The weather can get absolutely brutal and it just gets sucked in. They can have ice storms. That doesn't sound good. And, you know, the weather can be really really bad. And so he felt called because you've got to feel called. You've got to feel called to go to places. And he felt called to go to Williams Lake and become a youth pastor. And so he told this story of when he used to, this is 
probably 30, 40 years ago. I need to tell you that just to give you the context of some of the things that I'm going to share with you. So he's this youth pastor in a small church in Williams Lake. And each, each uh, Friday he would, he would have the youth come and they would do the, you know, some worship and they would, they, he would speak and, and they'd have a small group of people, a small group of teenagers in the room. So my friend John, he, uh, he by his own admittance, wasn't the best, uh, you know, at kind of the guitars and piano and drums and everything else. What he played was the, oh gosh, the, the, what's it called, the, the wind instrument, the, the accordion. Thank you. Yeah, he played the accordion, which I'm immediately going, really? You played the accordion at youth? That's fantastic. He went, yeah, I used to stand there and we used to sing uh, This Little Light of Mine. And the kids loved it. I'm like, really? This was the time of delirious and just amazing youth bands. And you're playing This Little Light of Mine on your accordion. But apparently the youth loved it. And he'd preach the gospel and he'd tell them that God loved them. And he's a lovely guy, John. And, uh, and, and so he said, but there was this, this one kid and his name was Russell. And Russell was, uh, was, a, was that, he was the cool kid. He was the kid that all the other kids wanted to be like. He's about 14 or 15. And he would come in, and he would sometimes just stand at the back and then leave. And John dedicated himself to praying for this young man. And remember, the, all the kids wanted to be, he, would, he dressed the best way, he got all the girls, he was like, he was just that cool, cool kid that all the other kids wanted to be friends with. And, and he never really just got involved in the youth group in the way that Pastor John wanted him to get involved. And so John, one night, Russell comes in and he stands at the back and John's like, I'm just preaching to this kid. I'm preaching the truth of God, the gospel that Jesus loves you, that he died for you so that your sin and your shame could be forgiven so you could experience life and calling and adventure and purpose. And he said, I'm just preaching at Russell. All the other kids think it's to them, but I'm just preaching to this kid. And then at the end, he said, I got everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads and said, if anybody wants to uh, become a Christian site, come forward. And he closed his eyes and he's like praying, Lord, praying for Russell, praying for Russell. And slowly, he's kind of got, probably got his squinty eyes thing open. You know, he's watching what's going on. Is there anybody who's... And Russell starts walking forward. And he comes right to the front. And he's got his head bowed. And he stood right in front of John. And John said, you could hear the ripple around the room. Russell came forward. And everyone's really quiet. And right there, Russell asked for forgiveness, became a Christian. And he opened his eyes. And he's got this new life about him. And like the whole of the youth group is activated by Russell becoming a Christian, the, the cool kid. He's become a Christian. So over the weeks, over the summer, they're having great times and Russell's just growing in his faith. He's getting more and more resolved and dedicated to what his Christian life should be. And they're just about to go back to school and he asked Pastor John, can I share something? And he comes to the front and he says, guys, we're, we're, we're going back to school in a week's time. We need to go back just representing Jesus well. And all the, all the kids are like, yes, great idea. And he says, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and we're going to carry our Bible in front of everybody. And the kids are like, yes, God, really? And then, and then we're going we're gonna to go into our classes and we're going to sit at the front. What? Yeah, really? And then we're going to be at our Bibles and we're going to put our Bibles on our desks. We're going to be unashamed for Jesus Christ. We're going to have our Bibles right on our desk. And they're going, yeah, I don't like the idea of that. And, and we're going to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. Really? Really? 
Anyway, Russell is dedicated to this. Surely, on the first day, he does exactly what he says. He's resolved to do this. And what happens in that high school is phenomenal. I told this story. I asked John years ago whether I could share this story. I told this story at a youth conference a few years ago, and I had somebody come to me at the end and said, I was in that class. I know that kid. I remember this time. Because what happened is the high school changed. The high school changed because what they actually did is started telling people about Jesus. Now, for those of you teenagers, you think that 30, 40 years ago, it was easier to tell people about Jesus. It wasn't. It's exactly the same as it is today. But they dedicated themselves to do it. They started meeting and praying until the point was that the principal called Pastor John and said, I don't know what you're doing in that youth group, but please continue. The youth group exploded. The high school started to change. The principal said that uh, the kids' behavior started to change, that all the problems that they had before were stopping. This incredible revival sweeps through this high school because one kid called Russell resolved in his heart and his mind to live differently and make choices that change the trajectory of not only his life, but in the lives of those people around him. He didn't look at his age and go, I can't do this. He just said, this is what we're going to do, and I'm going to take the lead in it. One night, Pastor John got a phone call in the middle of the night. He said it was right in the middle of winter. And he said, Pastor, he answered the phone, and the person on the other side said, I got some bad news. Russell was involved in a car accident, and he got sideswiped in the middle of this really bad ice storm, and Russell passed away. The effect it had on the school was enormous. They had so many at his memorial. Pastor John said he stood there, and he, and he had his accordion, and they sang, guess what? This little light of mine. But the movement continued. You see, Russell only had a short period of time to live out the calling that God had given him. But he'd made a decision to resolve himself. He resolved, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to do differently. Parents, do we give the freedom to our kids to live differently? Do we give the freedom to our kids to resolve to live life differently? How would we feel if our kids said, you know what, I actually feel that God has called me to the ministry, that God has called me to be a missionary, that God has called me to be a pastor? Would there be part of us that our hearts would sink because we would be concerned about their future? Or do we champion our kids towards being resolved to actually affect their generation? You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a missionary to affect a generation. You know me well enough that I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we need to give freedom to our kids, enough freedom to actually live part in the world, but not of it, that they can resolve to make different choices. And young people, you need to make the choices because those choices, that that resolve has an effect. And what did Daniel resolve to do? Simply, he resolved to reject. He resolved to reject the food from the king's table. He resolved to reject the food that the king was offering. Incredible food. Wonderful food. Food that you and I would go, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing food. But Daniel, and actually commentators aren't really sure as to why, because it wasn't because it wasn't kosher, because he rejected wine, and wine was okay. 
okay for the people of God to eat at that time. Plus the fact in chapter 10, it gives the, certainly gives the impression that later on Daniel was eating the food from the king's table. So it's not because it was kosher. It's not because it was offered to idols, because it would have been, because the food that they did eat would also have been offered to idols. So we don't actually know why Daniel said no to the food. We don't know why he resolved to reject this particular thing. But for Daniel, this was a line that he drew. It was like, I'm not doing this. This, I mean, we can, we can uh, kind of guess around why. Maybe it was because that this line would have meant compromise for Daniel. Maybe it was that, you know, this is me taking from the king's table, taking from culture, absorbing it into my life. I'm going to lose who I am if I do that. I'm, not going, to, I'm going to stop being the person that God has called me to do to be if I take that food. He drew a line. He said, this far and no further. I, okay, I have to go to your school. I have to dress the way you dress. I have to use the language that you use. But king, I am not taking that food. And if you read that passage, he goes to great lengths to, to make that happen. Because the first thing he gets is a no, you have to eat the food. But he doesn't give up. He's resolved. He's like, fine, I'm going to go and talk to somebody else. And this other steward says, okay, but you know what? I'm worried that you're going to actually start looking and, and, and actually it's going to be bad because then it's going to be bad for me, the steward said. And Daniel said, just give me 10 days. Give me 10 days. And after that 10 days, something remarkable has happened. He looks better. Him and his friends look better than the other young people. Now, for the vegans among you, you're going to go, yeah, because he was just eating vegetables. You've got to understand the vegetables in Babylon were not the vegetables that you eat now. And he doesn't have protein shakes to make up and vitamins to kind of boost or anything like that. It's likely that it would have been kind of really squashy, starchy, leek-type vegetables. They're not great vegetables. But yet, Daniel succeeds. He flourishes when he draws that line. So it kind of causes me to ask the question. Where's your line? Parents, where's your line? Where's the line from the culture that you have drawn and gone, I ain't going any further? Because we have to accept that the culture brings things to us that we actually have no choice over. Just like Daniel, there's different aspects, education, customs, language, different things that we have no control. But we do have control over some things. Where's the line? Where's the line of compromise? What have we resolved to reject? And I could give you lots of examples. Young person, I give you lots of examples. But here's the beauty of being a preacher. is I can rely on the Holy Spirit to speak to you about the line that you are failing to draw. You know what that line is. You know what the activity is. You know what the thought pattern is. You know what the habit is. You know what, the, the, what you are taking part of, what you are saying, what you're thinking, what you're watching, what you're looking at, what you're listening to, who you're hanging out with. You know where your line is. And the question is, is whether or not you are actually saying this far and no further. Or has the line become so gray that you're trying to live so close to the line that maybe you're taking part in inappropriate relationships with your girlfriend or boyfriend because the line has got fuzzy that you convinced yourself that it's okay for you because everybody else is doing it. Can I tell you, if you ask the Holy Spirit, if you ask the Lord, what is it you want me to resolve to reject? I promise you he will reveal that to you. And parents, what example are we setting to our young people on the lines that we are drawing as a family? What was it that we didn't used to do, but now we do? 
What was it that used to be inappropriate that now is appropriate? What is it that we didn't used to watch that now we're watching, listening to, surfing, whatever it might be, that it, a frame of mind, an outlook, a worldview? I want to encourage you to think about the line that we're drawing. One of my favorite books, Practice of the Presence of God, we talked about this a few weeks ago in our other series, Brother Lawrence, who was a 15th century monk, he says this one line. He says, the way to practice the presence of God is by renouncing once and for all whatever does not lead to God. So young person, let me tell you this. We have to resolve to reject. What is it you reject? What is the, what is the question you ask yourself when you're wondering whether something is okay or not okay? Parents. What is the question that we ask ourselves when we're considering whether it's okay for our kid to or whether it's okay for us to? How do we filter that? Well, it's really quite simple. And Brother Lawrence points it out right here. Whatever does not lead to God, renounce, reject. Whatever does not lead to God. So here's the filter. Does what I am taking part in lead me towards God Remember the God who brings favor and significance and change and calling that showed his love and passion towards each one of us by dying on the cross so that we could live the life that we are actually unable to live by ourselves. That God who showed and leaned into and gave up and came down and and lived through. That God that we say that we want to be close to him, we want to know him, we want to think like him, we want to talk like him, we want to affect like him, we want to believe like him. We want all these things. And so how do we differentiate between what is good and not good for us and our lives? Where do we draw the line? Does it lead you to God or does it lead you away from God? Because if that activity leads you towards God, then do it. If that activity leads you away from God, then don't do it. It's that simple. It's that simple. And those choices change the trajectory of your life. That today you can make decisions by the power of the Spirit, because by, trust me, self-discipline by itself won't work. You've actually got to bring this to the Lord and ask Him to empower you and believe that He's given you that ability to do it. But then the hard work starts. You have to say no. You have to say yes. Because you've got a bigger yes. The bigger yes is the God who can actually bring significance to you in your life. But Glenn, you don't understand what my life is like. And you're right, I don't. I don't know the intricacies and the pressures and the habits and the difficulties and the shame and the sin that you are wrestling with. I don't know your family situation. I don't know what it is that you're experiencing or listening to. I don't know what's happening to you. I don't know what's happening around you. But what I do know is that I serve King Jesus who does He knows every aspect of your life. And Peter, right at the end of Jesus' life, before he died and rose again, Peter promised that he was not going to let down Jesus. He said, I'll never deny you. And then Jesus says, you know what? You are going to deny me. He says, before the rooster crows three more times, you're going to deny me. Peter says, no way. No chance. Sure enough. Jesus, uh, Jesus is led away, and, and you read about it in Luke. Peter's there, and he's denying Jesus to a little girl. He actually swears and says, look, I don't beep, know him. I don't know him. And at that moment, it says in Luke that Jesus walked through the temple, and it says this, and I've preached this before, and it sends shivers down my back when I say it. Jesus turned and looked at Peter. At that moment, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. 
Can you imagine what went through Peter's mind? What have I done? I let him down. The very thing I said I wouldn't do, I just did. How many times have you thought that? What have I done? I've let him down. I've let my mom and dad down. I've let my friends down. I promised I wouldn't do that, and I did. Can I tell you that Jesus turns and looks at you in exactly the same way? But you need to understand how Jesus looked at Peter. Because one thing I can be confident of of what Jesus said to Peter and what he continued to say to him after his death and he rose again and what he did through Peter was this. I think, and this is just a guess, I think when Jesus turned and looked at Peter, he didn't go, you failure, I knew it, you bring shame to me, you told me you wouldn't. I don't think that's the way Jesus thinks. What I think Jesus thought is when he turned and looked at Peter, I wonder whether Jesus said, upon that rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades is not going to prevail against it. Because Jesus believed in Peter, not because of what Peter brought to the table, but because of what he knew God could do in Peter. So when Jesus looks into your life and he sees the stuff and the things and everything that nobody else knows about, can I tell you that Jesus looks into your life and what he sees is actually, I can give them all things that pertain to life and godliness. I can do incredible things through you. And he's interceding for you right now on the right hand of the Father. And he's praying life and he's praying forgiveness and he's praying for you because he believes in you he doesn't believe in what you bring to the table he knows what he brought to the table when he died on the cross for you and that power is available to you in your situation go towards God make a decision towards him Make a decision that says, no, I'm, I'm actually going to reject. I'm going to resolve to reject the things in my life that lead me away to God. And I'm going to rely on him instead. Because that's what Daniel did. He resolved to reject the king's food. Because what he's saying is, king, I don't need your food. I'm going to rely on my God, the king, to actually bring me the sustenance that I need. He took a risk. He took a step. He said, okay, I'm laying it on the line here. Because if after the 10 days I look worse, then it's almost like he's testing God a little bit. Reverently, I think. But he's saying, okay, I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to reject this food because I'm resolved to live differently. Because God is going to look after me. That's what he did. And you will see all through the scriptures, young person after young person who follow that pattern. You take David. David was 13 years old. He's running at Goliath, resolved. He's rejected what Goliath has said about God. And he is now relying on God by running at Goliath. It's a young person. He's resolved, he's rejected, and now he's relying on God. You take David's best friend, Jonathan. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is Jonathan, his armor bearer, decides to just go out one day and kill some Philistines. And it's this bizarre story in 1 Samuel. And, and you can read about it in 1 Samuel 14 where him and his armor bearer end up fighting the Philistines. It's where he says, it might be, it may be that God will help us. But hey, let's just go and find out. And the armor bearer's like, okay. Like, really? That's the plan? But what's really interesting 
It's all through that story. You've got Jonathan and the armor bearer relying on God, rejecting the teaching of the Philistines, rejecting even what Israel said at that time, if you read the whole story. But they're relying on God, resolved in the truth that God will perhaps help them. And if not, at least we die trying to do something good. But what's really fascinating is that the scripture says, and you can read it in verse 15, it says that David, uh, sorry, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed 20 Philistines. Then, then God sends panic into the camp. Then an earthquake comes. It's after. And here's my question. They might have stopped at 19. One more Philistine and they would have missed it. One less Philistine and God I don't know whether God was going to send that. It's, here's the principle, that God allows us to take steps, to take risks before the earthquake comes. And we need to keep pushing. And you can see it all the way through history where God sometimes, for whatever reason, in his wisdom, brings the most glory to him, that he will allow his people to work hard and take risks. And it's the last second when he shows up with the earthquake. One more Philistine. So those of you who are struggling, keep going. For those of you who find it difficult, keep going. David running at Goliath. Jonathan running at the Philistines. Daniel running at a culture. And how does he decide to do it? He draws a line. I ain't eating that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to look at that. You know what? It's great that you guys are all involved in that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, but why? Because for me, that's wrong. I'm going to rely on God. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were, they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these, look at this. You can skip over verses like this, but just think about this. To these four young men, God gave. Gave what? What was it that God gave them? Because here's the thing. I promise you this. God will never be outgiven. He will never, you will never outgive God. You will never take more risks. You will never do more uh, resolving. If that's good grammar. You, you, you will, the more lines you draw, God will just continue to bless and bless and bless. Why does he do that? Is it because, you know, well, if I do this, God will give me that? No, no, no. That's not how it works. But God does respond to faithfulness. The prayers of a righteous man or woman avail much. That history gets changed. History doesn't get changed by balanced people. History gets changed by radical people, radically holy, radically resolved, that they make conscious choices towards God. History gets changed by that. The desire to bring God the glory, to bring Jesus the glory, to make much of Jesus, to point at Jesus and say it's because of him, that we have that choice each day. We have a choice about what we watch, what we look at, what we don't do, what we do, who we go out with, who we don't go out with. We have those choices. And those put us on a trajectory. And God will never be outgiven. He will devote himself to you. In the same way he devoted himself to you by hanging on the cross and and saying, it is finished. The most despicable and shameful death for you. That same God is towards you, leaning towards you. You may have had every rejection in your life and God will not reject you. He will never be outgiven. He will give you favor. He will give you understanding. He will give you gifting. That's what we see in this story. Look at this. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, 
the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. They stood before kings. They stood before leaders. They stood before influencers. Resolved, having rejected, relying on God. They were brought before the king of the most powerful nation of the world. And that king wanted to be with them. These four young reprobates. These four young teenagers. Brought before the kings of the world. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them. He found them ten times better than the magicians and the enchanters and the culture. Ten times better. Ten times more significant. Ten times more successful. That's what he found. Why? And it wasn't because of them. It was because of the God who was in them, who chose to lean in towards them. Then all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first king of Cyrus. You know why that's significant? Why I put this in orange? Daniel outlived the king. See, King Cyrus was a completely different nation. The Babylonians had gone. And Daniel, they reckon about 66 years later... After a teenager, his teenage choices actually led him to significantly, as you read the rest of the stories, be part of this culture and fulfill the call of God on his life. What we do is we make decisions towards God that we recognize actually are significant and powerful and right and godly. But maybe you've made that decision in the past. Parents, maybe you remember a time when you were just like, we are drawing lines. We are following after King Jesus. We are going to put him before everything. We're going to filter through. Maybe you remember a time where you experienced his closeness in an incredible way that no matter what you do, you can't actually explain away. Maybe that's in your history. Young person, maybe you had a a camp experience or you were at youth or rush or something amazing happened. And then it just drifts, just drifts. Can I encourage you to bring that to the Lord? Can I encourage you to actually spend some time thinking and considering, thanking God for what he has done, but looking to him for what he will do in your life? Can I tell you that that drift is forgivable? That that drift, that decision, maybe the line used to be there and you just pulled it back. Well, now it's there. Well, now it's here. Now it's here. And the line just drifts further and further away from the father, just like the prodigal son. Can I tell you that that gap, that distance has been bridged by Jesus and it is forgivable? You can make that journey back knowing that he will bring favor and gifting and significance through your life. Don't undersell God and his ability to use you tomorrow at school. Don't undersell God and his ability and the gifting that he's placed in you to use it to change your university or your workplace or your family or your neighborhood. We stand on the shoulders of people who have lived generations before us with belief and faith in a God of the impossible. We stand on those shoulders and they did that so that we could see further than them. When was it that we stopped talking about revival? I remember as a young man in the 90s and in the 2000s, yes, I am that old, I remember that one of the main topics about was, was how God was going to sweep revival through our countries. What happened to that conversation? I was listening this morning to Delirious. Uh, we're going to be history makers. 
Like we want to be history makers. We're going to see history change in our land. It seems like those songs are no longer sung, not literally, but those thoughts. We serve the same God that overnight can bring change and revival into Kelowna and into Canada in ways that we want to tell our grandchildren about. What happened to those prayers? What happened to those conversations? Can I tell you, it starts with a resolve to reject, to rely, and to pray. To pray that we too, as a church, in this empty room, could be significant in our city. And it starts with you and me making our personal decisions and resolves, saying, I'm going to step towards God, me and my household. As for me and my house, this is what we are going to do. This is how we're going to live. And it's not stepping away into a cave of sheltered crash helmet Christianity. It's stepping into with the power and the ability and the gifting and the calling that God has placed in your life. Thanks to his son, Jesus, dying on the cross, taking my sin and shame that I truly deserve to be punished for. And I'm eradicating that, dying with him, and then him giving me new life, new power, new ability, all that pertains to life and godliness. And he says, now go, you be like me in this world. That changes cities. That changes lives. And young people, that is the calling on your life. Here's the thing, and I'm going to finish with this. When David ran at the Philistines, when David chopped the head off Goliath, one of the most profound parts of that story for me, and I want to tell you this in all truth, one of the most profound parts of that story is this, is that the Israelites had failed to act until David resolved to reject the words of Goliath, to rely on God, to start running at the Philistines. And it says, you read it, Then the Israelites rose up and ran after the Philistines. It took a David. It took a young person. It took a teenager to say, enough. We're going to live differently. It took a young person, a teenager, to draw the line and say, I'm not not doing that. I'm not listening to that. I'm not accepting that. And it's more about, more than just protesting and yelling from, you know, our computers. It's actually living differently, speaking differently, and actually acting on Can I promise you this? And this is what I want to say to you, Faith, in absolute truth. I am waiting to chase after you. I'm waiting to be championed by you. And we have a church that is waiting for the young people. Because I promise you, we will follow. And you might go, nah, nah, I don't think. Testers in it. Testers in it. I want to run after. I want to champion you. I want to chase after you. I want to be part and observe a generation that says, enough. I resolve this far and no further. I rely on God who dedicates themselves to getting up early in the morning that I might know him more that is no longer satisfied with just success, but chases after God because God is significant. This quote, I'd recommend you learn this. This is written in a Bible of mine from when I was a teenager. And it's actually attributed to D.L. Moody. It wasn't D.L. Moody. It was a, uh, it was a, a man called Vali who said this to D.L. Moody. And my pastor said this and prayed this over me when I was about 17. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man or a woman fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. I aim to be that man. The world is yet to see. The world, friends, 
Guys, the world has yet to see what God can do with a generation of young people, fully consecrated, set apart, dedicated to God. And my prayer is that by God's help, not your own resolve, but by God's help, I pray that you aim to be that group. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that we would be part of a generation, part of a time that even though there seems to be such strangeness happening in our culture right now, but the Lord, I pray that you would start awakening, that the flames would start being fanned brighter in the hearts and the lives of our young people. And that, Lord, I pray that as parents, that, Lord, that we would pray for our kids, encourage our kids, set examples to our kids in how they should live, and then, Lord, encourage them and push them towards you, King Jesus. And Lord, I pray that in our schools, that no excuses would be made. But Lord, in our schools, young people would start rising up, that they would resolve to reject and to rely on you alone. Lord, that's my prayer. It seems impossible, but Lord, I believe that even now that you are working in the hearts and the minds of people listening, We pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus, that you promise, you promise, Lord, to bring change through people dedicated to you. We ask all these things in your name. We love you. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We miss you. It's strange speaking this to an empty room. But uh, if you have any questions or any thoughts, then please connect with us. You can do that online just as we speak or email info at willowpartchurch.com. And we will gladly get back to you. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week. God bless.